Okay, before we begin, we've got to talk, obviously, about the most notable parts of my week. Oh, that would probably be the Polyam Cult Party and the uh, Rise Grand Championship, right? No! Oh. No, it was the strange man who walked past me yesterday and said, Sup, baby girl! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful! That's so good! I got baby girled for the first time, right? <laughs> And, and and I feel that needs to be a I feel the baby girl situation needs to be addressed. <laughs> yes, listeners, the rumors are true. I was baby girled. You're Philadelphia's number one baby girl now. Yeah, you were the true baby girl all along. You like the boots, so I am officially baby girl boots from now on. So it's me. I mean, look, if you're gonna get baby girled, it's either gonna be from a slightly skeevy man or from a lesbian. Like those are your two energies that'll that'll give you a baby girl. Well, I've got. I've got one half. I've got one half of the double dragon. <laughs> if I if I put if I get baby girl by a lesbian, then I think I become Robert Patrick. <laughs> I'm not up on my double dragon lore. <laughs> it was a day yesterday. I went to see a, a man. Went to see a doctorman about my back because you know I still had me on and off problems with it. And he wrote. He dictated his notes so that he could do them in front of me, partly to put me off surgery. Because he could describe the agonising details of it. Oh, yeah. Because um, there's a 50-50 shot on it. But given my history, we both think physio's actually going to do it a lot better. Um, so I was already off the idea, but he made sure to do that. But it was the way he started the notes, mm -hmm. which was um, <clears throat> Stephanie James. He had them the other way around, but I thought, whatever. Mostly because it's so hard to explain the non-binary thing. So I, I usually just tell him Steph because I'm called that anyway. Yeah. But then he put Stephanie James. But it was the next bit that was presents as a lovely 37-year-old woman. <laughs> With excruciating back pain. <laughs> so that also, that's, that's going on my dating profile. Um, a lovely 37-year-old envy. With excruciating back pain, presents as a lovely woman. That's quite a sales pitch. Hell yeah. If any lesbians want to come baby girl, a, a lovely 37-year-old woman with excruciating back pain, <laughs> then I've got a lovely pair of boots for you to have a look at. Hey, hey, Steph. Yeah. Hey, baby girl. <gasps> what noise does the double dragon make when it goes together? You've been double dragon. I just got double dragon by a lesbian, everyone. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Also, the pharmacist mentioned I'm lighter on my feet. Well, you are. You are not to bring up the Polyam Cult Party 3 again. Oh, I was so, so thinking about baby girls, I forgot about the other thing. But I, well, I, we did a little pre-show on your stream. Yeah. And as a result, Jeez. we watched a lot of footage of wrestling and a lot of, well, what there is footage of you wrestling in years past and then watching the polyam cult party three which you could watch i think right now at twitch.tv slash go professional wrestling mm. the difference was stark i mean shocking how much trimmer you look yeah and and that was with the jacket on that was with the jacket that makes me a bit chonky well if the dress arrived in time i'd have something about show the figure off the main event did a better job with my nice dress but oh I'm, I tell you what, I'm a right baby girl. Yeah. I'm a right baby girl boots. 
had my yellow one, my black and yellows on yesterday with the smiley face zippers that no one ever really sees in the photos. But it was pretty good. Um, Party Am Cult Party 3 was a, was a whole deal. It really was. It did real good. Thank you. I mean, the, the pre-show was excellent. You helped really sort of bring the views in and, and the hype. I think we did quite well. We, we managed an hour of zero technical difficulties. None. Not one problem. And zero unexpected changes. We, it was a flawless hour. Don't go back and watch. Yeah, everything was perfect. It looked good. I had a look. It looked good. And the video packages you did were superb. I think I think I think we did a good job of being like, hey, do you know nothing about wrestling? Let us tell you who all these people are and what makes all of their plot lines yeah. and move styles interesting. Yeah, you know, y'all were talking. You sounded well versed in the wrestlers, even if you'd only just heard of them. You done real good. I made it sound like I knew who people were and what a double DDT was. Yeah. <laughs> um, indeed, indeed, Kimberly Spirit did a very impressive double DDT mm-hmm. on um, Mister Grimm, the friend I paid along the way, and the gavel David Lawless, my my flawless lawyer. Um, just some good friends who I introduced to my other yeah. dear friend Kimberly Spirit Who, by the way, everything I said about her was true Yeah The reason I'm I'm hitting training and, and sort of getting into the more physical side Is because she told me like I wasn't too big, too old, too fucked up And you proved her right when you did that superb choke slam. Oh, it was, it was stiff It was a stiff old choke slam. It looked fucking brutal And the only real tragedy of that is that Kimberly's only friend there was you Well, should have bought Brett should have bought Bratter. Here's the thing, and this is where Pennsylvania keeps fucking up, right? This is where Pennsylvania not paying enough attention to Commander Sterling fucks up. There's a, another video of Sterling rules out there. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a Sterling rules match before. Yeah, that stipulation was it's no DQ if you're wearing silver. So it's established that it is a 100% fair system so long as you know what the stip is going in. Yeah. And... You know, people just kept asking what Sterling Rules is. They didn't ask what this match stipulation was. Yeah, did did Kim even think to ask what are the stipulations for this match? If not, that's on them. Oh no, she kept asking what Sterling Rules was and I kept laughing. But if she'd have said, like, what are the rules for this match? I mean, I'd have laughed, let's be fair. I'd have just had one less thing to crow about in the aftermath. But I've got other things, (laughs) you know. It was 100% fair. Yeah. And most importantly, you wouldn't have lied to her because you're honest. That's what friends are all about is honesty. You didn't break a single rule. You were so good about that. Yeah. It was 100% fair by all accounts. People booed when I won. I don't know why. Um, Especially after I debuted a move. Especially after I debuted a a submission. And when I say that, I mean, like, that is new. What I do. Mm-hmm. It's never been seen before. Especially a chokeslam f- from it into it, right? It's a Rings of Saturn modified with a, a, a chokehold. That's a fucking modified submission. And how that's not made it into sizzle reels, I don't know. How that's not made that into end, end show recap videos, I don't know. It's only it's only Commander Stunning innovating pro wrestling forever. Was it a modified face something? Yeah. Yeah, I remember half of that <laughs> word. It was a face yeah. something. Modified V one V one rings of Saturn with a chokehold. Yeah. So you know, or a, a variant cross face if you like. Cross face. That's what I was yeah, trying to there remember. There we go. Yeah. I remember things that were said. <laughs> sort of a cross face chicken wing situation, mayhap. But you know, done in the rain. Done on a soggy mat, rolling around on what felt like dolphin skin. <laughs> it, it was something. It was a good, 
It was a good event. Yeah. Fucking great for my back. Though the people who tell me to stay away from wrestling because it will be bad for my back, like people have said, like because I'm public about the chronic pain, and people have remarked on the irony, I guess, of me talking about the back pain and then being all, all like, "Well, off to do wrestling stuff." It's been so good. It's been so good for my back. I feel comparatively great compared to how I was last week. I mean, every time you come back from a, a wrestling event, your back feels better. Yeah, I feel better all over. So I've got to get mat time in as soon as I'm able for the good of myself. Yeah, I had a, I had a good day today. A bunch of copies of Gender Euphoria showed up in my office. Ooh. That's a book. Yeah, that's a book. It's coming out in like five weeks. And I have like a dozen copies in my office now. And I'm very excitedly just stroking the pile of books like, aha, they're so beautiful. They're so wonderful. Aha, soon they shall be in the world. You should stroke them. Books aren't stroked enough. I know they're very, they're very they're very I'm I'm so happy with how the how how the books physically look. Oh, that's, that's they're good. very nice. I'm very excited. Yes. You should keep an eye out for that on June tenth. It's coming out soon. <laughs> so certainly good news on Laura's end. One hundred percent good news on my end. Nothing bad happened at the show. I didn't like lose anything. Or anything. No. Def- definitely not. No. No, no, not no. a thing. I'm so happy Ziggy Hyam won yeah. the Rise Grand Championship. I'm so happy yeah. for her. You seem very happy about it, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just not responsible for it. I'm just not responsible for, for like, what's... Basically, being held on, you know, holding up uh, the title and crying in the rain after four long years uh, at the Polyam Cult Party and becoming the first women champion in Pittsburgh history is a moment, but it's just a moment. Conrad, how have you been? Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, doing all right. Just, just sort of mm, shuffling along, shuffling along, getting some that old Conrad shuffle. Yeah, getting some some things lined up that I've had in the works that are finally gonna execute in the you know coming weeks, and that's good. Uh, so yeah, feeling feeling yeah. good, feeling fine. Finally recruited for that firing squad, eh? Uh, uh. I bet one thing you've done this week, Conrad, is probably played a video game. <gasps> That's true. What is this? I'm not against this, actually. Do you want to tell us about it on Podquisition, the show where we tell you whether your favourite video games are great or perfect? I'm in favour of him doing it because I I want to talk very seriously about games this week. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Conrad, what have you played? I played a game called Fogs. Yeah, this is the two-headed dog thing. It's the two-headed dog thing. You got kind of like a wiener dog with heads. On either end of the wiener dog. I'm curious what you make of this. Uh, all I will say is I played this in the past, and I don't think I ever brought it up on the show. Huh? So I'm curious. What did what did you what did you, you think of it? I think it's neat. The visual elements of it are pretty cool. I think um, the the premise is you have this. You what premise? Um, I describe it as Noby Noby Boy with stage and puzzle design. You are a two-headed dog. Dog sausage, right? That can be played by one person or two people, right? And they are controlled. Each head is controlled individually with analog, and so you can either share a controller with someone, or you can use two separate controllers. You can just play it by yourself. And each individual half of the dog can move. It can stretch itself in a direction to extend the length of the dog, and it can bite onto things. And the bite also executes a very tiny little hop that's useful for getting the dog up over a ledge if it's a little stuck. 
and this is used in some pretty inventive ways. Uh, I, I, now, I played it on my stream earlier in the week. That's at uh, twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman, coincidentally enough. And I wish I had spent more time exploring different worlds mm. because I wound up spending a lot of time in the game's first world, which is all food themed. And it's it's cool. Why would you spend a long time around a th- food-themed environment. You never eat the stuff. You never fucking eat it. And it's already been cooked. That's the bit you like. It was the first one that was opened up. <laughs> it was really just... So I'm, I'm curious, how much of this have you played? Well, near the end, I ventured into a couple of the other worlds. I have unlocked, and I don't know if there are more after this. I get the sense there are. Um, I've got a food world, I've got a dreams, nighttime, sleepy time themed world, and beach themed. And so in each of these, they introduce some new mechanics for how the environment works and you interact with it and things that you can do with your very basic abilities, which are really amount to grab onto something. And then when you've grabbed onto it, if it's small enough that you can carry it with you, you can move it or, you know, you could drag it to a certain extent in some things. There's uh, connecting to some objects, activates them, or you grab a lever and pull it in a direction to switch it. One of the things I really like is that it plays in the fact that the dogs are tubes. Mm. And so you can bite onto one side that's uh, like a pipe pushing out a liquid and the liquid will come out the other side of the dog. (laughs) Or later in the dream time area, it's done with light. You just got light huh. shooting through the dog. The uh, oh, My favorite, though, my absolute favorite is in the food area. Um, occasionally, you get the opportunity to eat uh, hot peppers. And when you eat a hot pepper, on one side of the dog, you eat it. And on the other side, flame shoots out. And it's fantastic. Uh, it sounds like I need to come back and give this another shot. So I, I'll, I'll chime in quickly. I played, like, maybe an hour of this in co-op. Mm-hmm. And my experience of it was, I love the design, I love the concept, the early levels of this game simply felt too sparse and too simple. Yep. I never felt like I was being asked to solve anything. It very much felt like, go along the path interact with the only thing you can in the only way you can interact with it and keep going. Yeah. And I really wasn't feeling engaged with it and I dropped off. It does start to introduce some more interesting elements. Um, You get creatures in the environment, I don't know if you got far enough to see them, that will eat the fruit in the food world, right? Mm. And so it becomes, all right, well, I'm going to need this fruit to be fully grown and enlarged because I need to use it to traverse. But I've got these things that if they see it fully grown, they're just going to go over and eat it. So I need to find some way to contain them. Now, is that with another fruit that I'm growing? Is it penning them into a place? So there are, you know, different things that open up. It does expand as it goes on. I really like the night world, which is a lot of making platforms intangible and tangible with the application of light. You get light balls that you can drag around and when they strike things or get close to lamps, they'll illuminate the lamps. Of course, tucked away in little caves are moths with sitars that are, you know, just like ready to play. If you light up their stuff, it's it's cute. It's delightful. I find it really delightful. I do think the levels don't introduce concepts quickly enough, which is why going to those separate worlds and immediately be pre- being presented with, oh, this is ha- uh, this goal is entirely different in some way, because it still relates to, I'm going to go through a snake, 
Uh, and I love that almost everything in this game is double-ended, by the way. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. But the snakes will have different goals in the different areas. The ones in the Dreamtime area are asleep, and so you have to wake them up with a bell that's going to be near them that has to be struck in some way. And the means of striking that bell can vary level to level. It's neat. And I'm, like, really glad that it's on Game Pass. I think I need to go back and give it another try. I gave it probably an hour to an hour and a half, and I hadn't seen any of the interesting stuff you are describing here that makes this sound interesting. Right. So I would warn to anyone who picks this up, hey, be prepared for a very slow start. Yeah. Yeah, the run-up is going to take you some time, and you have to have a willingness to experience or an appreciation of physics, of Unity physics. Yes. I guess is is the way I'd have to put that, and if you know, you know. Yeah, I think that game's biggest problem is it takes way too long to start going, okay, here's what we're doing beyond the basic mechanics. And I don't think it ever becomes complex. No, but what I need it to be is creative. I don't know how creative I feel. It isn't one of these, like, situations where I feel like I figured out the puzzle so much as I realized that the answer to the puzzle was right in front of me the whole time and I couldn't just wrap my head around that, which is a slightly different mode. Yeah, I mean, as long as the answer to the puzzle is something different each time, like the thing I have to do is a little different or is reflavored, mm -hmm. I'm more on board with playing more of it. Yeah, I think, I think it's worth giving it a second hour. Yeah. What I would encourage is if you're starting to feel sort of bogged down or bored in one hub world, to just go to another one and sort of feel around that. Sounds like a plan. Thank you for the good recommendation. Jim, what you been playing this week? Well, there's decades. Decades upon decades of video games. There are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've heard of them. And in those decades... I would say perhaps millions of games have been made by now. I mean, hundreds, certainly. Certainly hundreds of thousands. And I thought what I would do is take a trip through history this week for Podquisition. And I've played a whole bunch of, of interesting games. Yeah. That I, I, I think this is why I was very eager to talk about games this week, because I thought, right, <laughs> right, it's time to take it serious now. Oh, yeah, so I played Ballistic X versus Sever on the Game Boy Advance. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Classic. Oh. Classic. Antonio Banderas, Lucy Liu, the team nobody asked for and nobody requested again. It's Ballistic X versus Sever on the Game Boy Advance. There will be a theme with these games. <laughs> will there? <laughs> it's a first-person shooter for the Game Boy Advance. Ooh, yeah. boy. That boy. That, I'm looking um, at screenshots of it, and that sure is a Game Boy Advance first-person shooter. I'll tell you the best thing about it. There are two playable characters. Are they X and Sever? No. Oh. <laughs> it's Sever and the ampersand from X and Sever. <gasps> it was a character the whole... No, it's X and Sever. <laughs> Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. Have the same hand. That's what I learned from this game. Oh, <laughs> well, I've always thought that Antonio Banderas yeah. had very delicate hands. I'm assuming a franchise like Ballistic <laughs> had, some weight had some weight behind it and they wanted to do it right. So I'm assuming they were like, right, with Ballistic X versus Sever on the Game Boy Advance, 
we want to digitise photos of these hands, and they just mm. happen to look exactly the same. I mean, look, I'm looking at pictures of those hands right now. I couldn't tell you which of the pair's hands those were. So anyway, true lies. Oh. On the Super Nintendo. Oh, that's one I always wanted to be good, but just wasn't. It's not good. No. 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 Moving on. <laughs> I'll, I'll do these in batches of three. So okay. the third one for now. Congo, the movie, The Secret of Zinge. Now this one. Okay. This one begins as, you know, a, a like a, a like a light gun game. Right. Yeah. And you know how sometimes they've had these games without light guns? Like, yeah, you use the D-pad to move the reticle. So it's like one of those. It's Super Nintendo. It's like Snatcher. Like Snatcher, like the uh, the other ones that I can't remember now. There was a Terminator one, there's a Die Hard one, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So that's what... I'm not sure if any of you remember the, the film Congo. Here's what I remember about Congo. Yeah. I remember Tim Curry. Mm. And I remember the visible zippers on the ape suits. Right. <laughs> Do you remember rapid fire cannonballs exploding the monkeys to bits? You know, I... Yeah, no, do not remember that. I mean, I remember there being fire. Yeah. I, I recall some fleeing of flame and... But no, not explosions. No, no, in Congo the movie, The Secret of Zinge, you're the one in charge of the cannonballs. Very good. <sighs> As the monkeys, they scream left to right. And they're not even attacking you. I'm not making this up. They're not even attacking you. It's gorillas or, or whatever they were in the film. I think they're like baboons or something, right? Monkeys uh, running left to right across the screen. And it's rapid fire, big round cannonballs. And it's just... And when you hit them, they expl there's a massive explosion. And the, the, the sprite just sort of, you know, like fragments and, and explodes. And then it's a shit white water rapids game. Huh. I was disappointed after that. I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait to talk about this on the show. I'm exploding monkeys. I mean, I did not know that the game would let you, I mean, make you explode monkeys. <laughs> That's not what I expected going in. And then it was just a really difficult, horrible, upsetting Whitewater Rapids game where you can't, you can't stop the boat moving. You can go against the current or you can go fast or you can go up and down. And then it's just here, deal with this and deal with high, you know, well, the Super Nintendo equivalent of water pressure. And we will just throw cragged rocks everywhere for you. Have fun. Also, the rocks that don't kill you bounce you into the ones that do. Have fun. And it went on for ages. And I was like, well, I exploded monkeys. After I do the Whitewater Rapids bit, there'll be something else. And it was just more Whitewater Rapids, except they weren't Whitewaters anymore. They were the colour of piss. And I'm not going to play a game looking at frothy piss. Not a game that bad. Yeah. So that is... That's batch one. I was just reading about this. What what console version of this did you play? Uh, this would be the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, the Super Nintendo version that, as I understand it, never got released. Ah, yeah, I've got another one of those on here. Uh, apparently after a short development turnover and playtests indicating that the game was not good enough for release, <laughs> That's so it was true. never released and it only exists 
off on the interwebs. Or the handheld I've got in the other room. Or that. I, I'm not saying that's all I played and I, that I deliberately found all sorts of shit and licensed tat. You found an uh, not good enough to sell piece of tat, so well yeah. done. That was an accident. I mean, a couple, uh, it's full of old weird shit and some of them unreleased. And one of them I can't wait to tell you about. But Laura. Me? I'm sure you played things that were actually, like, real and not so bad they couldn't be sold. <laughs> I mean, I played things that I have thoughts about and I found interesting. So I've been playing some more of The Longing, which is that game I talked about last week that's played over 400 real-world days. Ooh, yeah. Because I've been, like, curious if there was anything to this. Because last week when we played it, I basically... Wandered around a big cave system and been like, I'm not really sure what I'm meant to do. And you haven't even finished it yet. Hurry up. No, no. Well, here's chop, the chop. thing. I'm faster. I'm further ahead than I should be, given the <gasps> fact I've been playing for seven days. I'm ten days in. Oh. So one thing that I've been learning is that there are things you can find to do within this cave system that will cause time to move more quickly. So if you can find books that have not been read yet... Basically, every page of a book that your character reads progresses time forward by one minute. Oh. Laura, do you have any books people haven't read yet? Well, Gen D Euphoria is coming out <gasps> on June 10th, 2021. Fascinating. Yeah, it's a book you should all go check out. It's going to be a very good book. It's It's got all sorts all of bookstores. Yeah, it's got all sorts of lovely fancy quotes on the cover from people that know what they're on about. Well, I tell you what, Laura, I'm longing to read that. <laughs> oh. oh, fucking hell. <laughs> but yeah, so you don't... Technically, you have to read the books if you're happy to just sit there and mash A a bit. So it's like, oh, do I want to skip forward nearly an entire day? I'm going to skip through the entirety of Moby Dick. You can make artwork that you can put up on your little wall in your little hovel that'll make time go move slightly faster. You can make a musical instrument. I found parts for a musical instrument and I could sort of pass the time by playing this musical instrument now. It, it's very clear that you don't have to necessarily wait 400 real world days. I'm curious as to how much of there that is and how much you can yeah. speed time up to get toward that ending. The other thing that's becoming apparent is that I get the impression there are multiple ways this game can end. I have found one option, which seems to simply be my character does not want to wait a fucking year in isolation <laughs> waiting for the king, jump off this cliff. All right. And just, just be done with it there. And it seems like that might be an ending. And I have found what seems to be like, oh, oh, maybe there's a way to leave up here. And maybe you could just leave and not wake the king up at the end of 400 days. So like, it seems like that's an option. Or... Finding things through exploration that will help to let you speed that time up seems to be seems to be what's going on. I have come to kind of enjoy this game. It's definitely not something that I want to sit down and do big play sessions of all at once. You know, it's something to stick on while, you know, play, listening to a podcast or something. But I found reasons to start coming back. Currently, there's a little spider building a web for me. That's going to take a little while because it's only a little Ooh. spider and it's trying to make me a big old web. It's going to let me climb up to a slightly further up place in the in the, in the building I'm exploring. I did some tripping on mushrooms, which passed some time and also gave me some hints as to what might be happening narratively. I tell you what, that's true in real life. Both of those things. Yeah, yeah. If you want to find out what, what's happening in reality and also have some time go by. Oh, I've learned <laughs> some spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know how it all ends. Yeah, reality spoilers are out there. Yeah, I'm less dubious about the game than I was a week ago. I found things that have me intrigued, and I don't know whether I will stick around the whole way to see, you know... Like, if I'm going to be engaged the whole way through a year of this, but I'm curious about this, like, real slow burn exploration little world. Mm-hmm. I'm having a good time just slowly ambling my way through it and trying to, you know, not be in any rush to find out what's happening. It's kind of neat. Oh, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I just, I know I, I know I'll be wasting my time and money because... I won't remember it in two weeks. I'm only remembering it because I keep deliberately moving it to the front of my Switch queue so it doesn't Mm. get pushed off that front page. You see, I've tried things like that until they just become part of the scenery. I thought I'd trick myself into taking notes and and reading them by grouping it in a bubble with Facebook. (laughs) And then it just became the Facebook bubble. I just click on it twice. (laughs) But that's a good good call. Yeah, it's... I don't know whether it will... I, I have the same concerns, but so far it has worked. Yeah. I think you're better at concentrating than I am. I think I let everything just become a blur. I have found systems that work for me to be like, hey, Laura, fucking remember to do do it. Yeah. Have you done it yet? Remember to do it. That's what you need. I've worked out the things that work for me to bug myself into getting around to shit. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, Conrad, have you played anything else this week? The only other thing I played this week is um, a game called Pathway, which also just cropped up on um, Game Pass in the last couple of weeks. And I have not played much of it because it's it looks to be a very fun, good strategy game. So I'm out. <laughs> but it, it reminds me a lot of Desperados, actually, uh, which is a, an Old West-themed point-and-click turn-based strategy game that I think the third one of those just came out not that long ago after a long time being uh, gone. This has that vibe, but it also, it feels a little like they're going for an Indiana Jones, we hate Nazis thing, which, hey, I'm all for that. I'm not fond of them, Nazis. No, not a big fan. Mm. Uh, Sprite art and animations on it look really good. It's got some cool-sounding music. It seems to be a solid type of thing I spent an hour on and said, you know, I've done one battle. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I can appreciate that this is not for me and is probably it seems like it's really good. Like I could definitely understand the appeal and the desire to I'm not going to to play more of it. But I have recommended it to Casey Explosion because I think I think they'll really dig it. So, yeah, that's what I played. You you should go at least take a poke if you have Game Pass because it and you like strategy games. It's. It's cool, and you kill Nazis right away, so... I mean, anything that doesn't put, like, a time delay between when I get, get start and when I get to kill Nazis is worth a look. Yeah, it's real real brief. It's just, you know, like, you gotta f- do a little map moving around. Ideally, I wanted to... I will have wanted to have killed a Nazi in my sleep before I start each day. <laughs> but you know that you're going to be killing Nazis, like, right from go. Good. Cool. Yeah. Better do. Immediate yeah. Nazi killing. Just add water. Jim, let's hear about more of these weird pieces of shit you've been playing this week. Right. I guarantee you won't be able to even guess the title of the next one I'm doing. Um, Beavis and Butthead for the Super NES. That They probably had a game. Was it that? More than one. I considered Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I, it was under consideration. One of the many Beavis and Butthead games across multiple platforms. 
Um, this one is also Super Nintendo. <laughs> this one is called Steven Seagal is the final option. Okay, I wouldn't have guessed no. that. You're correct. No, Steven Seagal is the final option. That's the full title. It's not like Steven Seagal is the final option, like a Steven Seagal in the final option. The whole title is telling us that Steven Seagal is the final option. There's no other solution. And I don't want to know how bad a situation that is, that Steven Seagal is the only way out of it. This is another unreleased one you found. It's the final option. Yeah, this is one of the unreleased ones, and I'm glad it is because I thought I was so... I thought I was bad at Steven Seagal is the final option that I couldn't get past the first area. But there's only two levels on it. Um, I found when I googled during this show. Yeah. So here's the thing. You play, you know, a little sprite Steven Seagal and there's a couple enemies and a couple terminals you can press up on and it'll just tell you terminals have information. It doesn't actually give you any. You can pull out a gun, press the gun button, he'll take it out and aim it. And then if you press it again, he'll shoot it. Um, he's got a punch. The enemies block like 90% of the punches. So it's just long and annoying. But you can, you know, just blast them and they go down in one. Or there is, and here is clearly where Rocksteady stole it from, a counter system exactly like the Arkham series where you just press a button and then he just flips them on the floor. It is exactly the same. That's all that system was. So anyway, you can just walk up to enemies and then just hammer this counter system. Then when they throw a punch, you throw them to the ground. And that now will make the fight quicker. That's about it. That's about it. I'm reading about this one. In September 1993, publisher TechMagic announced that Steven Seagal would star in his very own Genesis and SNES game. It wouldn't be based on one of his movies, but his likeness himself. I'm, I'm looking at like a magazine article about it at the time. Steven Seagal infiltrates a company called Nanotech. <laughs> not, not a character, Steven Seagal infiltrates nanotech no yeah he's the final option i really cannot emphasize how final the option he is to avenge the death of his partner jack freeman and <laughs> destroy the nuclear fusion facility oh, yeah. that powers their network this is all on his wikipedia page not the game yeah this history of steven seagal's life yeah my favorite thing about this is reading the one magazine article about it <laughs> No, this isn't a movie, but it's pretty darn close to one. <laughs> <laughs> what? Cancelled? Uh, oh, uh, Steven himself was an active participant in the game. All the characters are digitised and rotoscoped for a new level in video game realism. For a given value of digitised and rotoscoped. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's sort of a... It looks like if you took a... A low-res photo of Steven Seagal from a magazine and then crumpled it up in your hands. Then you've got this very realistic Steven Seagal final option. Sorry, I have to compare something. Oh, please. So the magazine article says, Steven himself was an active participant in the game. And then I look to the side on the Giant Bomb article I'm reading. Although the game features Seagal's name, he did not participate in development. No, that's a bullshit. <laughs> he's the final option, but he's not involved. So that was one. Apparently the developer wasn't willing to pay Seagal, so they just got a likeness in. So it's not even him rotoscoped in there. <sighs> Shame about Steven Seagal's partner, though. Yeah. I hope Steven got over it. 
How will we ever save them now without destroying the nuclear reactor? Right, at nanotech. At nanotech. Oh, God, if there's one thing Steven Seagal hates, it's nanotech. Killed his partner. Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally. I recall this one. This was a uh, Super Nintendo. This is another SNES one, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great idea, actually. This one, Some of these are, are genuinely good ideas on this list. Uh, Roadrunner's Death Valley Rally is basically what if Sonic but Roadrunner. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's too fast. Ooh. Roadrunner goes way too fast. It's like Sonic Advance fucking 3. You cannot know what's going on. And you can slow it down, but the Roadrunner is so hard to control. There was a bit of a running theme, I think, around those Warner Brothers specifically licensed games Mm -hmm. because i i seem to recall taz having one that was like that i saw that on the list i haven't tried it yet Um, i'm not sure yeah and and also um oh speedy gonzalez Mm -hmm. had a super nintendo game where the control was too fast and loose i think um so i don't know how much of that was attempting to get on the sonic train or just incompetence but there seemed to be a running through line there on that generation i'm watching footage of this it's moving too fast yeah it's way too fast you you go from naught to 100 in a second meep meep i mean it's 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 accurate to the source material oh yeah this is one of the most faithful adaptations i've ever seen in video games it's too fast i'm watching roadrunner just do a run and leap and leap across like half the level because they're going so fast yeah and on flat roads it can be quite satisfying but it's like there's something there that's what's frustrating and that's true of some of these games on this is there's something there it just it doesn't work lawnmower man Oh, oh, Will be the last oh, one oh, on this particular oh. collection. That's uh, bad shooting, platforming, and really bad gliders. I liked, I only got as far as the second shooty bit because it's so cheap. Yeah. That's also a theme on some of these. It's so fucking cheap. One hit kills and soldiers everywhere. And if they touch you, you die. If they shoot you, you die. Like, it's really hard to get through a single level. But... The 3D-ish section that was basically an endless runner mm-hmm. from first-person perspective with lawnmower hand hands in front of you. That's cool. I liked it, yeah. It was kind of nerve-wracking. Controls okay. Like, I expected it to control like shit, but it worked fine. Um, obviously, rudimentary graphics-wise, but the 3D was, you know, cool enough. And then it was straight back to awful shit and I stopped. But in the middle of the awful shit was a game and an endless runner type of thing. Like, you know, I've played so many of those on mobile over the years. Um, And I've played 3D ones, you know, uh, first person ones on mobile. And there was that one on there. That was another Super Nintendo one. Might have been on other ones, but, but that's what I played. Way back then, doing that sort of thing. I mean, it wasn't endless, but it looked a lawnmower manny. It wasn't hard. The visuals in that were shit. So that's the next batch that I've done. Uh, I'll, I'll go through a couple a couple of ones I've played quickly. Yeah. I, I've continued playing more Train Simulator because I'm real deep down that rabbit hole. Big on the train hole. Yeah. I'm... I played you videos. I got you videos of my train journey. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really lovely videos that look like a really lovely train journey. They were nice. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I may have treated myself to a fancy controller that is like the controls of a train oh. that I can put on my desk. So when I'm doing the train game, it, I can do all the little switches and dials and they all click nicely and they all press nicely. That is so darling. I've got a little button just for the horn so I can make the horn on the train go. Button the horn. Oh. And you know my favourite thing about it? This thing has a, like a subwoofer built into it Whoa. that you can run the speaker into so that the sound and some of the rumble of the train moving comes out of <laughs> the train controller. That sounds genuinely amazing. I know, right? Like, I really kind of love this thing and it's completely superfluous and unnecessary. There is no reason <laughs> I need to own this, but I kept looking very enviously at it for several days. Like, I mean, that looks very nice. Yeah. Does it make you happy to have it? It makes me very happy to have it. You needed that shit. I've been very, very, very much enjoying just having this big thing on my work desk. And I'm like, ah, I have to push the lever up and the train goes. <laughs> I can make the horn on the train happen just as easily now as I could have done when I was on the keyboard or the controller. But now that it's its own little switch, wow. there's just a little, little toggle that is clearly just for the horn. I am using the horn infinitely more frequently. <laughs> just sat there, just getting very overexcited about the horn. This is what would make me want to do a train simulator game. I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. I've, I saw the price because when you mentioned it, I said, I've got to have a look at this. Oh, it's pricey. Yeah. Like, I, I couldn't have justified it if not for the fact that, like, I'm getting paid for some book stuff. Sure. And I was like, okay, I can, I can justify it. Oh, you know, I'm, I've splurged plenty. Well, and it, it's a write-off. It's the price of a specialty controller for a niche subgenre of game. It's a business expense. You're streaming it. Well, that's it. I've been streaming every week. I had, I had a separate little camera set up now so that, like, you can see me doing all the dials and the buttons when I do the streams on on Friday nights. Come along to my Friday night Twitch streams. I've been doing Fixation Friday where I do train simulator streams on Friday nights and we just do like three hours of chill train journeys and... I'm going to go. I want to look at this controller. I'm going to swing by. Yeah, I've been really enjoying them and people seem to have been enjoying them. They've been my most popular streams in a while has been people coming to chill out for train journeys. So c come hang out and make this a business expense I can justify <laughs> having done. But I do like that it rumbles and makes the click clack sounds when the trains go and it's very good. Other stuff I played. Jim, I think you've played this in the past. Uh, Hypnospace Outlaw. Yes, very good game. Mm. Yeah, so I don't think this is a game I should have experienced for the first time on stream. I don't think that helped my experience. Mm. No. So for anyone who doesn't know, Hypnospace Outlaw is a game where it's in a fictional version of the 90s where they've invented a headband that you put on your head when you're sleeping to basically go to the dream internet. Uh, I think that's a good way to describe it. Basically, 90s internet exists in your dreams. You've been brought on to be, I think on paper, like a essentially like an, an internet forum moderator. Yeah, basically. You're more of a cop because you're given cases to do that range from, hey, stop harassment through to go be really petty and track down some, like, you know, um, copyright infringement. How dare someone think of a copyrighted character in their dream? you got to take all of those fish down, all of the detective fish. Yes! Come on, people oh. are stealing it. When you find that first grade teacher who's like, here's my webpage of all of my six-year-old's uh, drawings of detective fish, and you're like, oh no, mm. these are technically all crimes, oh no. All crimes must be punished. All crimes. Yeah, 
So like the flow of the game is go explore a weird, very nostalgic version of the 90s internet. I think that you really want to take your time to just soak these web pages in because a big part of the appeal of the game is just spending time in a very good tongue-in-cheek representation of a lot of things that feel very familiar about a specific era of internet. I think the point where I realised quite how much it was going to scratch that itch for me was um, I had a quest that involved uh, fairly early on me deliberately infecting my computer with Professor Education or whatever he was called. Oh, that fucker. An advert spewing clippy knockoff that just throws ads at you all the time. Initially, it seems fairly by the numbers, and it takes a little while to start going, okay, maybe there's more to this narrative than it seems. I don't want to talk too much about where that narrative goes. It's a real interesting game, right? Oh, very much so. Like you said, a lot of the appeal is just looking at the websites, and there's a lot of good um, nostalgic humorous references to the way those sites used to be not just visually in design but a lot of the banal garbage people would put on those sites gameplay wise it in places reminded me of something like her story in that while a lot of it you can manage by you know following clicking around going to places that are obvious a lot of the like i want to complete this mission will involve work out the keyword and where to find a keyword that will take you to an unlisted part of the internet that isn't on Google Mm -hmm. that you can use to get to your end goal. Yeah, like with her story, it's it's also got a similar uh, sort of perspective. Mm. You're in universe, basically, when you sit at your computer to look at this. Yes. That's the perspective. Uh, And and I really like that. I, I like that that was done with her story and here and yeah just using a, a computer desktop style interface to play a game is is interesting especially with some of the gimmicks it has like the professor and some of the other sort of yes malware and and stuff like that the uh, downloadable pet i had that died within 5 minutes <laughs> Like, I looked away from it for five minutes and my entire desktop was covered in feces and the thing was dead. And I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Go in being prepared for the fact that you're going to feel like a bit of a cop when you start. Yeah. But there is an interesting game in there. Jim, you played any other things? Oh, yes. I'll tell you what, right? Is a good one. I didn't know this was a game. I didn't know there was a Metroidvania Nightmare Before Christmas on the Game Boy Advance. Oh. Uh, I did not know this. 2005. You know, it's not so obscure people haven't heard of it, but I hadn't heard of it. I don't think I heard of it either, but I'm not a big Nightmare Before Christmas person. I, I think I was just like at that threshold where I was looking at like, that's some hot topic shit and moved on with my life. This heart style's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. I saw on the Wikipedia page for it, like some review like criticized the way it looked, but I kind of like it, especially the, the sort of cutscene imagery. Mm. The, the way they draw Oogie Boogie in the, the cutscenes is really nice, I think. It's got a very clear visual style for something on the GBA. Yes. It looks very crisp. And it animates really well. Like, yeah. Jack animates like Jack. The way he climbs up uh, ledges and stuff, like, flips himself up, and the way he ducks with his sort of spindly legs, like, crooked. Like, it's cool, and... I, I've not got mega mega far, but I'm I've got a frog that I squeezed to blast gas at bugs, and that they're the enemies. Is like Oogie Boogie's bugs so far. It's not brilliant, but it's 
cool. I would have liked to have known it was a thing when I had a GBA back in the day. Because I quite like Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I watch it at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying that one. That one was good. Amazing Virtual Sea Monkeys was shit. Were the, were the sea, Virtual Sea Monkeys not amazing? No, I thought it'd be like some virtual pet shit. Um, apparently there was a PS1 version and I think that was uh, virtual pet shit. This was... I can't even describe it. It's like swimming. You're a weird little thing. I don't even know what the fuck it is. You're some green thing. And you're swimming in like an Echo the Dolphin style underwater mazy area. There are amazing virtual sea monkeys that are going in a line and they're on their way to an oyster and you've got to pick up all the orange fish before they get to the oyster. And then I don't know what the fuck. It's awful. Get rid of it. It it don't look great. Laura, make it go away. I am powerless to do so. I cannot stop the amazing virtual sea monkeys. They are too amazing for me to stop. You break my heart. Um, Okay. (laughs) Uh, Pinball of the Dead Is that a House of the Dead themed pinball? House of the Dead pinball On the Game Boy Advance again Cheap as shit Just cheap The ball keeps going down the middle I fucking hate those virtual fucking pinball Like, like, I like pinball stuff I find them fun I like all of those almost modular pinball game pinball fx that is that the yeah, big one yeah. i really like the marvel tables on those and some of their original tables are really nice um it's been ages since i played those i should play those they make my thumbs hurt really bad but this i really wanted to like it because i like house of the dead I, I think house of the dead is some entertaining awful bullshit um, in terms of just its style and everything. They could like gun games. And and the premise is cool. You know, you're using the ball to smash up zombies and everything. But the, the ball keeps going down the hole. Down the, the middle of the flippers. And they always do that in these games. Yeah. I'm like, what can I do? The developers have the power to stop this. Don't let it go down the flippers. But it goes right down the middle. Like, I can't stop that. I'll flip the flippers, but the ball don't touch the flippers. That's not fair. And it kept happening. That's why I stopped. Like, it kept happening. It would just go immediately down the middle, and I'm like, I can't fix this. I'm just one person. <laughs> I can I can no more stop it going down the hole than I can, I can make the amazing Virtual Sea Monkeys fuck off. Have you got any more games for it? I've got a couple more games to very quickly go mm. through that I've started playing. I started playing Judgment, mm. a game from a couple of years ago by the Yakuza people that isn't Yakuza. It's good. Yeah, it is. So for anyone who's not played it, it is it is very Yakuza in that it is... Um, a lot of the combat system is very familiar. You do a lot of third-person melee combat. The key difference here is that you're a lot more... Agile? Uh, You've got a lot of options to like flip over people and bounce off walls and dodge around people. There's some interesting stuff to the combat mechanics that I kind of like. Sometimes enemies will hit your character with certain moves that will permanently or semi-permanently lower your max health, which encourages a lot more defensive and evasive play and not just powering through damage in a way that I have found really fun. The premise is that you are a defense attorney, I think, in Japan and... The start of the game is basically, hey, Japan has like a 99% conviction rate for crimes, and it's this big deal that, hey, you managed to get your client found not guilty. That practically never happens. 
oops, he went and murdered some people, maybe. He might have burned a house down and stabbed his wife to death, maybe. Which reflects very poorly on you, because you got him on on innocent. And then you end up, you know, having a slightly different career path, but still working in trying to solve crimes. But you're not being a lawyer so much anymore. It feels more Yakuza than I expected it to in that a lot of its structure is, here's your big open world, go do your linear missions, and in between those there are silly side activities to be done. Given the game's called Judgment, there has not been a lot of crime solving. Mm. No, you're mostly, it's, you'll be doing Yakuza shit. Yeah, you're basically doing Yakuza shit. You'll occasionally get, like, uh, these came up a couple of times in Yakuza Like a Dragon. You'll occasionally get, um, go first person and look around until the controller vibrates and you found a clue and now you click on the clue. When you're doing interrogations, I don't think there's a fail state. I think you, you can't fail interrogations, which feels... Strange? Yeah. Yeah, if I recall correctly, you I think you get like bonuses for doing the right ones or something. But there's no like you're never gonna have to retry a thing from the start, you're never gonna miss out on anything. It's just now if you say the wrong thing, just say the right thing next. But like, as long as you don't go in expect because there was a little bit of me that was like, is there gonna be, you know, Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright-ish elements in it? No, no, don't go in expecting that. Go in expecting Yakuza, but you're a private eye instead of being a Yakuza member, but you're basically doing the same shit. Same shit, shit yeah. Got a pretty decent dub. The dub's pretty alright. He plays really nicely. I'm enjoying playing another, basically a Yakuza game. If you're not interested in getting into Yakuza, which has many, many, many games in a series to play, and you just want to play a standalone thing to get a sense of, will I like this combat? Judgment seems pretty good so far. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I've I've been playing, I've not played much of this. I played the demo for Metopia on the Switch, which is a 3DS game that is getting ported to the Switch soon and got like a two, three hour demo released this week. Um, and you, your progress carries over to the main game. Mm-hmm. I played this back on the 3DS and I remember very much enjoying it. It's a very lightweight JRPG. And the gimmick is you put me's into all the character roles, so you decide who all the like ah the the villain is this person that I know, and the sad mother whose child is missing is this person. Um, and you you fill in all the roles with me's. What this does well, and I can't remember if this was the case on the 3ds but uh, it's definitely the case here, and it works. Is when you're picking people to put into roles. There is an option to look for the most popularly uploaded and used Mies for that character. Which basically is, do you want to have a look at all of the well-made meme fictional characters that people have already made the effort to, to make? Yeah. And just use those. Do you do you want to have your party members be, I don't know, I've, I've got a Pikachu... And I've got, you know, the the lead character from Dead Rising and Darth Vader, and they can be my JRPG party. Let's not forget the obligatory Jesus and Hitler. Oh yeah, the obligatory Jesus and Hitler, or the person whose face is a bum. <laughs> yeah, butt face. Never gets old. Never gets old. And look, if you're looking for a very lightweight, not too heavy on the brain JRPG where you can get a bit of a laugh out of Ha ha ha, Winnie the Pooh is the grand evil emperor stealing faces. 
fear him and his terrifying magic. If that's going to be enough to keep you amused for 20 hours or so, you could do worse than this. It, it's a pretty it's a pretty good demo in terms of letting you play a decent amount of the game. Do you want to have silly me's be characters in your not particularly serious JRPG? I had fun with it, and I'm, I'm probably going to play it when it releases properly. Is that everything all of us have played? Oh, hell no. Oh, you got some more to do, have you? <laughs> I'll get through these ones real quick, though. Oh, go on, give me, give me some more, give me some more. Aliens vs. Predator. Add quick go on Aliens vs. Predator, The Last of His Clan on the Game Boy. That's pretty cool, with a little predator running around punching xenomorphs. You unlock little weapons, you know, cut your disc, throw that, comes back like a boomerang. It's simple enough. The Aliens vs. Predator I played on the Super Nintendo was cheap as shit, like a lot of these. The Xenomorphs keep jumping at you, and a lot of them can just walk through you and hurt you, and there's nothing you can do about it. It's annoying, so I didn't bother with that one for very long, even though it had a nice sort of the pickups. It's a beat-em-up, like a brawler. And um, like your Streets of Rage or your Final Fight. And the pickups are predator weapons. So you can like pick up a ball and it makes you invisible for a bit. Or you can pick up a thing that gives you discs for a bit. And it's pretty neat. Cheap as shit. Todd McFarlane spawned the video game. It's basically Kung Fu and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> Waterworld. Waterworld. It's basically like True Lies but a boat. Sort of isometric shooter. Yeah. You're on you're on your boat, you're going around just wildly firing and of one of the bullets will hit one of the boats and it will blow up. You don't take much damage uh, until you get to the other bit of the game. Well, you've got the shooty boat bit, then an underwater bonus where it's like a Mario swimming level, but you are too long to avoid getting hit by some of the um, hazards. Mm. It's more boaty shooty, then it's a side-scrolly action platformer, which also the amount of licensed games back then that were action platformers, mm -hmm. often with some, you know, button you could spam to shoot a gun, um, although not... No, you could have a gun in this one by ducking and firing, but otherwise Kevin Costner has a, like a sword and just hits people. And that one is just incredibly, again, just cheap. One hit kills and um, actually maybe not one hit kills, but they can kill you with touch. And as you climb and jump on things, there doesn't seem to be much room to not get hit. And Wayne's World. Oh, so moving on. Is, this, is Wayne's World, is that the Super Nintendo one with the big heads? Yeah. Yeah, with the big heads, it's yeah. uh, cheap. Yep. <laughs> like all the others. Um, you know, if, if you want digitized voice uh, clips of all of your favorite characters from the Wayne's world, like the Wayne or the Garth and no one else, then sure, play the game. When you die, the Wayne will go, we're not worthy. You know, he used to go, oh, we're not worthy, baby girl. <laughs> Like that, like your boots. <laughs> we're not worthy, baby, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He says that when he dies. At every time something happens, he says excellent. So it's good. Yeah. Mm, that that's, sounds great. Fucking awful. <laughs> I wish you didn't go down the hole in Pinball of the Dead. I'd play that more. Yeah. Yeah. What was this thing I've got? <laughs> a kin hank. I've got a kin hank. It's a handheld, and it's got loads of games on it, thousands and thousands, um, from oh. 
And I've got all versions of these games. So they're all backed up. I mean, obviously, I've got a physical version of Steven Seagal is the final option. Uh, Of course. Of course. So, yeah, they're full of games I'd never buy anyway. Going from your your ColecoVision and your Amstrad right up to your N64. There's some interesting stuff on that ColecoVision. That was was my first console. I can't seem to get the ColecoVision games to work. I think they're looking for keyboard input even though I've got, it's a handheld system. I think I unplugged that kind of shit in, though. The ColecoVision does use a numeric keypad on its controller, mm-hmm. but there's no keyboard for okay. it. So, um, it's yeah. something stopping me from interfacing with it, and yeah. I, I certainly can't do things like Spectrum and Amstrad games. They're all there. Yeah. I just have to find some way to interact with them. But... You know, I've been playing all sorts of random games and stuff. Just see what there is. Most yeah. of them are rubbish. Like, I, I'm not going to waste everyone's time talking about the Yogi Bear game I played. <laughs> Some of them I was like, I'll play these and see if I can play enough to talk about them and say just something fun on the podcast. But most of the time it was, oh, these are borderline unplayable. They're so badly designed. You're suggesting that some video games from the past weren't great? I mean, some of them were made bad on purpose, clearly. Some of them were designed to just be, let's kill them immediately to stop them, you know, beating it and not renting it again. Because games like today were designed bad for money. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice to be reminded that, you know, it really wasn't good back then either. It might be bad in some different ways, but it's still bad in a lot of the same ways it's always been bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting to play some of them and see, like, how some of the modern conveniences are in some of these games, only implemented in very rudimentary fashions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be playing more of that, I reckon. I'll have more interesting things. I won't I won't pick all shit licensed games, but... I'm curious to hear more. Yeah, I'm just going to pick different games at random. Maybe some of them will be cancelled. I probably won't know. <laughs> but hey, that was that. Yeah. Uh, have I got time to talk about a couple of newsy bits quickly? Get a couple of bits rattled off? Yeah. I'll tell you what. Let's squirt some news larvae out of our reporter sacks. Let's, let's squirt a couple of bits out. Chat sacks! Uh, so Humble Bundle, you know how the whole appeal of Humble Bundle is you get some games and you can give whatever percentage of the money you spend that you like to charity. Something tells me that should be said in the past tense now, is that... I mean, that that... that was the appeal. The appeal was that you could go, yeah, I'll give, you know, 95% of this money to charity, maybe. Pick what you want to give to the charities, because it's a charity thing. Yeah, the, the whole point of it was... Get a bunch of games on the cheap and support charity. That was very much what Humble Bundle existed for. And, um, yeah, some changes have been happening. Uh, well, okay, I think first of all, we do need to make clear that that's a misconception out the gate. The purpose of Humble Bundle is to make money. Yes. Now, it does that under a model that contributes a significant portion of the revenue it receives to charity, but it is a business. The marketing message has been has always been charity, right. even if largely... My understanding is it largely exists to create tax write-offs, because anything that is donated to charity that these publishers have put games up for, they can make a write-off on it. Speaking of which, have you two folks heard of the Sterling Foundation? Oh, tell me more! Yeah, the Sterling Foundation is, I haven't developed this bit enough. (laughs) 
what's kind of interesting about this is that they're doing away with the sliders that would allow you to contribute everything, you know, into the charity or to Humble even, you know. You could have opted to give the money to Humble. There's still some slider stuff. There's still a little bit. But what what is going to yeah. happen now is the... The default charity donation is going to send 85% of the proceeds to the publishers, 10% it goes to Humble, and then 5% goes to charity. And then you'll be able to click a button that triples the charity donation to 15%. And it's I'm not clear exactly on how it's going to break down with the other percentage takes yeah. from that. But I do think that it is sort of worth noting where this money's going. Yeah. Because, you know, when you say, okay, well, this structure of this split and the default is changing, then we have to ask, okay, well, what was it before? And before, it was 65% of the publishers, 30% to Humble, and 5% to Charity. And the reason that this is significant, why I keep saying this is the default value, is because the default value is the one that the majority of people are going to use. Yes. Now, I do not have specific numbers from Humble Bundle to back this up, but there's plenty of research to indicate that under these circumstances, the majority of people simply go with the default, meaning Humble's actually giving more money to publishers in this arrangement than they are taking money, money from charities. Now, I'm not one to seize on vocal mistakes. However, giving a mummy to charity, hear me out. We have this friend called Jonathan, mm. and I have some bandages. They're used, mm -hmm. but why not recycle? <laughs> Uh, that's just something I'm going to be considering. Carry on. Yeah, the thing that sucks here for people who... Look, I have in the past bought many a Humble Bundle, and I will usually whack that slider as far up on the charity Absolutely. slider as I have the option to. And what is happening here is that the hard cap is now being set at 15%. You cannot donate more than 15% of your amount you're paying to charity, which I know that that's not the average person who uses Humble Bundle, but... That's true. Ooh. It's a significant, significant minority. But here's the other thing that I think is interesting about it and why I, I find it kind of curious that the publisher take is being expanded is that it suggests to me that Humble Mundle might be having some difficulty attracting publishing partners and are trying to sweeten the pot. I 100% think that is a thing. The publishers aren't getting on board because they want to get paid more, and Humble have decided the solution to that is stop that amount of people who are giving 100% to charity. They're stopping us getting more games. Well, and I'm going to... I'm going to now be charitable. <gasps> Watch as I am very charitable. Conrad being charitable in a story about corporations. I never thought I'd see the day. From an economic perspective, when you consider volume, getting a big fish game into the bundle that drives a huge amount of sales that the overwhelming majority of which will give 5% to charity and some will give 15%, there's a very good likelihood that they will wind up giving more money to charity as a result. So, you're not wrong? They are fucking bastards. <laughs> That's I'm done being charitable. Yeah, and honestly, I think the bottom line of it is, everything else put aside, this is really fucking terrible optics. For a company that, like, people have been dubious about since they got purchased, 
And this is one of those things that people will look at and go, see, we were right to be dubious about that purchase. And I, you know, and I don't even want to go so far as to say, like, Humble Bundle shouldn't be allowed to make money because they have people who work there who, you know, are full-time employees. It's a, it's an operation. They need some sufficiency. I don't know about profit, you know, but... At least, you know, yes, they're, I don't begrudge them getting some percentage and yeah. making sure that they can collect a percentage to keep the operation going. However, it looks really bad. It's still real fucking shitty optics to, to hop from 100% to charity is an option down to 15. It's such a big jump that it looks real fucking scummy. And they telegraphed it poorly, and now they're gonna have to wind up doing some damage control on it. Uh, yeah. Because I don't necessarily... I think there was probably a way to put this that expressed that, hey, you know, our charitable donations have been in, you know, somewhat decline, and, you know, and we want to do more, and this is a way we can actually do more, and lay that out. Yeah. Whether or not that's going to be convincing to some people is... who knows, but... Yeah. But I think that there is a case that they could have made to get people more on their side over this. Well, if they'd have thought ahead, they could have reformed Mr. Bungle and then call it Mr. Bungle's Humble Bundle, and then everyone would have forgiven them. Oh, yeah, that'd have been it, yeah. <laughs> you know. Can I talk about Pokemon Go getting shitter? Please. Is Pokemon Go getting shitter? It's getting more shit. Oh, no. So, Pokemon Go, for a while, has had in-game balloons that you can interact with. Team Rocket float in on little hot air balloons. Sometimes you go fight them. So, that same technology is now being used to introduce sponsored branding balloons that will fly over you in-game and have a big brand advert on them. And if you click on the advert balloon and interact with the advert balloon, you can get some some rare <laughs> items, oh, some, some hard-to-find rare items <laughs> that you couldn't otherwise get commonly. Oh, do you want those? Just click on the ad balloon, that's all. Wow. Jesus Now, Christ. to be clear, you can turn them off, thankfully, but that's not the default. The default is they will be on, and you are heavily incentivized to leave them on because there are items that are really hard to get a hold of that are much easier to get a hold of if you engage with the sponsored brand content. Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm glad I jumped ship when I did on this game. Like, I'm so happy that last summer I jumped off this. Oh, absolutely. It's just, the last year it has just gone downhill fast. Uh, the more I hear about it, the more exploitative it gets. It's starting to do all of the bullshit that, like, I used to allow myself to play it because he didn't do this shit. Yeah. This this shit was, the, like, the, the lack of this stuff was why I was willing to spend several years being a daily active player on a mobile game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bullshit. Yeah. I mean, that's... They lure you in. It's yeah. it's the definition of predatory. They 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 pick their targets. They design their traps. They draw you in. Wait until you've got the players who are years invested in a big collection and have made it a part of their daily routine for years, and then introduce the bullshit. It's yeah. It, it's just exploiting your most dedicated players and customers, and it's yeah in in some of the most manipulative ways possible. And when you remember that this is a, a kids franchise it just 
It's an extra layer of disgusting. Yep. Hey, kids, click on the Starbucks balloon and Starbucks will thank you for your loyal brand service with a a poffin you can give you your Pokemon. By the way, you little shits, Mario's still looking for his brother. Get that Lego, Luigi. Fucking get it. Luigi, you see, he's upset. You've upset him. Uh. Monster Hunter Rise is getting an update this week good. and a lot a lot of it is very good. It's it's adding a bunch of new monsters in and you don't have to pay for any of that and that's all cool and some of the elder dragons from past games and some shit like that. It's going to be pretty cool. There's one thing in the in the update though that isn't very cool. Uh-oh. So, by the time that this episode goes up, this update will probably be live. So, prior to the update, you can cosmetically change your character's appearance as often as you like. I thought that was good considering Monster Hunter World made you pay. Yeah, so you could just, in, in Rise, you could do it as, as often as you liked for free. It wasn't a paid thing. Except, with this first update, they are changing that, so you will need oh, fuck to off. use... You will need to use paid single-use items to change your character's cosmetics. They literally just paywalled a feature. They literally just gatekept. Yeah, they've they've taken a launch day feature and put it behind a paywall under the guise of, yeah, but you want those those additional free monsters we're adding though, right? That is that's that's shitty. That is absolutely shitty. So the way they've tried to dress this up is Along with it, the customization will have new options and additional things you can add and different things. Do we get one free change? You get one free change, <laughs> I believe. First one's free. Absolutely. The first one's free. You get the first one free, and then you've got to have single-use vouchers that let you do the thing that you can currently do for free. People will say, like, it's something people wouldn't use much anyway. And that's true. Still there, though. It's still there, though, and I've had instances with created characters where I wished I could go back and, and make some changes. Yeah, So yeah. It's expensive enough to change your fucking appearance in real life. Yeah, one, one case I know of this is people who, who come out as trans after starting playing a, a game and they're like, hey, I would like to change my character's appearance, please. Charging for that is bullshit. Let people yeah. change their mind about how they want to look in games. And, and I, I really... I... I know I say this a lot, but a drug dealer has never given me free drugs. Yeah. Not once. Not once. Why do we think it's acceptable for capitalists to use this method we've been told is something only evil people do, who also, by the way, never do that? Yeah, yeah. You mean we're in a system where the people telling us who the villains are are actually doing all of the villainy that's been projected onto them? All of it. Oh, that shit. This is a bad system we have. It's really not good. Oh, God. At least it's easy to get out of, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be all right in a minute. Yeah. Oh, dear. Steven Seagal, he's the final option. He's going to sort this out. Oh, God, please no. Uh, <laughs> please don't let Steven Seagal sort anything. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've heard he's not an active participant. He's the Night's Watch. He takes no part. There's a story about FIFA. 
about FIFA being shitty. Oh, God, yeah. So you know how that game has really, 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 really manipulative microtransaction stuff in their FIFA Ultimate teams? I have heard that. Almost like it's been designed to be so. Yeah, the EA routinely argues is not manipulative and they're not trying to push people into it and it's purely an optional thing and all that stuff. So, uh, an insider has leaked a 54-page internal document that is from FIFA's um, development studio, and here are some here are some choice quotes from the team making FIFA. FIFA Ultimate Team is the cornerstone, and we're doing everything we can to drive all players there. All roads lead to FIFA Ultimate Team. And then they discuss that EA's plan is to funnel players towards FIFA Ultimate Team from other modes. Like human slurry. Every mode is trying to push you to the one that sells you microtransactions, not the one you want to be playing. Well, yeah, I mean, I've obviously said for years that it's optional is a weak excuse. It's propaganda. It disgusts me that it gets propagated without challenge. Um, We've got video evidence of game designers explaining to others how to make these more manipulative. We've seen, certainly if, if, you know, you've seen some of the stuff we've talked about, um, if you've watched the Jimquisition with their interviews to people, um, if you've watched Accessibility, you know how people are explicitly targeted by these companies. And as I've said before, if, if you think it's easy to ignore, you're not being preyed upon. Yeah. It's basically like a cat pointing at a trap with birdseed in it. Yeah. And saying, what kind of cat would fall for that? Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm going to make a note of that so I'm not so awkward and stuttery when I say it. I'll probably clean up the the whole sentence, but (laughs) hang on. Right, carry on. I'm making notes of my brilliant things I'm saying. So continuing through the internal document, I'm reading through some of the highlights... This is our explicit goal. We want people driven to the card pack mode. Mm. They refer to FIFA Ultimate Team coins as grind currency in their own internal documents. <laughs> I thought we I thought that they were there to skip the grind. It turns out... Yeah. No. So EA has responded to this story, um, and I'll share their side of it. They accuse this report of being a sensationalised story with a misrepresentation of the facts. In a statement given to Eurogamer, they say, We always look for opportunities to introduce more players to more modes in our games. Our FIFA players are expecting fresh content that makes the service exciting, so that's a focus for them. We do not push people to spend money in our games. Bollocks. With push in inverted commas. Liars. Like, the fact that push is in inverted commas to me suggests they're like, oh, we've never physically shoved someone until they buy our microtransactions. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's the same as when they defend Crunch. There's no gun to anyone's head. Never mind the manipulation and the, the pressure. Yeah. Honestly, the EA comments are the most interesting part of this, the on-the-record stuff. One thing they say is really telling. Where we provide that choice, we are very careful not to promote spending above over-earning in the game. And the majority of FIFA players never spend money on in-game items at all. Yeah, that's because whales are your entire yeah. economy. You, you don't need most players to spend if a few overspend, and you fucking know that. You don't need to eat the entire herd, you just got to catch one gazelle. Yeah. That's the way they're thinking here you don't overfish you just get the big ones yeah fuck's sake yeah so 
this document seems to suggest that during the summer of this year, EA is going to be making an active push to incentivize and really, yeah. really try and wedge people into FIFA Ultimate Team. So fucking watch out for stories over the next few months of new insidious ways that they try and get people to buy FIFA Ultimate stuff, because it seems like they're gearing up for it. I've got a good idea how it'll go. Yeah. Because I've, I've been, as I've said, I've been looking at the mobile market and I, I don't like where things are going. And, well, I never have for 10 years. Um, it's only getting worse. Obviously, I've got a lot more to say about EA, but I'll say this. Sue me, EA. If I'm wrong when I call you liars and I say you are trying to abuse people who play your games. Yeah. If I'm lying, if I'm wrong, I'll, you know, expect at least a and d So I'm reading a bit more through the lengthy EA response to this. There's a couple of other highlights to share. EA seems to confirm that the document is real because in one statement uh, from the EA spokesperson, they say... Nothing in the leaked document contradicts our statement in any way. It shows how we're supporting engagement in our game. Which, okay, we can pr- we can assume the stuff in this document is real then. They're not saying yeah. it's not real. By the way, in Ubisoft, Ubisoft's obviously spent years abusing people and covering it up. But I remember when they unveiled their live service model and how engagement drives what they called recurrent user spending. That's what the engagement is there for. When they say engagement, they mean drive more money into our offshore bank accounts. And that's what's interesting is that Laura actually ended the quote a little prematurely because they actually then go on to try and draw a distinction between engagement and spending. Yeah, that might have been because I had to cut in and have another fucking crack at EA. But that's exactly what they're trying to do is to try and publicly suggests that there is a difference fundamentally between consumers engaging with a product and them spending money on a product when we know that that's not the case. It's more made-up bullshit corporate propaganda that will again be regurgitated en masse. Again, we also know that they're trying to um, use weaselly language to avoid addressing the actual harm they're doing Mm -hmm. by trying to get out on technicalities. In one of the statements they say, We also firmly disagree that FIFA or any of our games involve gambling. Regulators in multiple countries around the world have stated publicly that there is no cash-out method, therefore loot boxes do not constitute gambling. Yeah, they've left out so much information from those reports there. It's not technically gambling, you can't cash it out. The cash-out excuse is so old as well. I haven't heard that one since 2019. Yeah, it's been a while. And it was falling out then, like, because they had so many other excuses. I am livid. Like, that whole story makes me livid. They are liars and abusers. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. We all know that FIFA Ultimate Team is incredibly manipulative, and it's one of the primary games that really suckers people into spending beyond their means. It's evil. Go go look at this 54-page document and... Just soak in the fact that they know what they're doing. Yeah. They've been called evil so many times over the years that it sounds like an over-exaggeration and it sounds like being dramatic. But the things they're doing in these games and the way they're targeting certain individuals is evil. Yeah. It's utterly selfish, greedy, evil that they don't even pay their taxes on. Yeah. I've got to pay loads. We got, we got a couple of other quick things. I, I don't want to get into hugely on this one just to 
acknowledge it exists. Near Replicant released this week, oh, which yeah. is a a new it's a remake of an old Near game. So you know how Near Automata had a kind of kind of gross um achievement where if you looked at Two B's arse a bunch, you'd get an achievement for having having done a lot of looks at her arse. Near Replicant takes that to the nth degree and has an achievement called Daredevil where you have to deliberately look at an intersex character's genitals ten times, uh, and the text of the achievement says, you risked life and limb to discover somebody's secret. It's absolutely vile. It's gross. It is incredibly genital-oriented ogling and simplifying of intersex identities, and... It treats intersex people as like, oh, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you dirty little secret, your genital. It's it's fucking gross. Yeah. And I'm going to treat anyone yeah. who says this is fine as someone who likes to look up people's skirts on the regular. Yeah. They're just like looking up people's fucking clothes. Hey, yeah, everyone. I'm aware that this is trying to replicate what they did near Automata with the 2B thing. I know. But can you not see that this carries different fucking weight? Very different connotations. It's very different to be like, here's a character with a very obviously visible big ass. Ha ha ha, you looked at it. Yeah. Just completely violate another person's privacy for an achievo. One other piece of news that I thought was worth bringing up. CD Projekt Red just uh, recently put out their financial statement for the 2020 fiscal year, which means, you know, we get to have some insight into how things like the Cyberpunk 2077 launch went. And despite everything that happened, they made a shit ton of money. Of course they did. They were, were always gonna. Yeah. But that's... I, 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 Kyle Orland at Ars Technica did an article that breaks down some of this in better detail than I'm going to be able to. Um, so I do encourage people to go and read that. But I just want to remind people that as much of a fucking bungled mess as all of that was, for a variety of factors, both sinister and just the way things are. They're not going to receive any real punishment for this. There's some lingering concerns over their reputational damage and the effect it's had on their stock price. And what it comes down to is a less than 10% of their income got a little dented because they had to account for some returns. Yeah. I mean, it was always going to go down that way. Yep. The only people who pay in this system are customers. Yes. And apparently enough people or lots of people were just fine with this. And that's something I think we could all fight against a little harder. Yeah. People won't. But I want them to. It'd be nice. Yep. Oh, God. Well, I would say that does it. We can end on the note that capitalism isn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm shocked and surprised that we of all people would have that stance. Well, we're unconventional. It's great. But not perfect. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I'll tell you what is perfect, though. Is is it you? No. It's not, well, my win record in Pennsylvania, yes. The KO rate of my submission move to Starscream, yes. 
um, 100%. But as perfect as those is... Stuff you've done, Laura, where can they get it? Oh, shit. Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Every Friday, I upload episodes of Accessibility on YouTube. It's a show about accessibility in the games industry. This week, we are doing an episode about the fact that video game companies need to be more transparent about their accessibility settings and how they can go about actionably doing that. Go give that a watch. I've got books, Uncomfortable Labels, it's out now. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, it's out now. Gender Euphoria comes out on June 10th, 2021. You should go check it out. It's it's a it's a very positive book of people who aren't cis being like, hey, sometimes it's really fucking rad. So go check that out, that's Gender Euphoria. Uh, I do podcasts, Pixel Squirt, that's the video game porn one. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is the one where I talk about things that aren't video games. And then there's Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on season three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. Conrad's on some of those. I sure am. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. You can hang out with me on Twitch uh, four days a week. Schedule's crazy. Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Just hit the follow button. It's way easier that way. Uh, you could buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or audiobooks at conradreads.com. And uh, you could also hear me on the podcast, Let's Talk About Snacks, where Lauren Morgan and Linda Camiolo and I talk about snacks that we eat. It's a very chill snack food oriented time that I quite enjoy a lot and hope you'll enjoy it as well. And you can support all of the stuff that I'm doing online at Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? Who? James Stephanie Sterling. Oh shit. <gasps> James Stephanie Sterling. Yeah. The commander with an undefeated winning streak in Pennsylvania. 100% KO right? So... You know how it goes. I'm brilliant. And I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash jimquisition. And I also stream um, often on Tuesdays, sometimes another day. We'll see. I want to do maybe Saturdays, but we'll see. Um, but Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling, that'll do. You've fed loads. Blimey, loads of yeah. this podcast. We're going to go. I'm going to eat a sandwich. Yeah, we're buggering off. Yeah, we're off. Bye. 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 We're off. Off we go.